Each and every Sunday we gather to worship, but why do we worship the way that we do? I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace, and this is The Day After Sunday, a look at the why behind the worship. Good morning, Phil. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome, everyone. Glad you're joining us for The Day After Sunday. The day after Sunday and the day after our launch of our new year-long worship series, Unfold. We are It still just kind of seems crazy, doesn't it, saying a year-long worship series? It does, especially for White Rock. I mean, I know many churches who do this kind of thing, but they are not... um, Typically, they're in the more like uh, megachurch or evangelical kind of thing, where they'll stay in the Book of Acts for a whole year or something like that, uh, which is cool. But it's just not something that our tradition is used to doing. So they do no not have f- Mitchell as a senior pastor. <laughs> right. Do not fret. We are not staying in a single book all year. If you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that sounds intense. Um, but we are going to be kind of journeying together through some different books, mostly in Luke, Luke, a little bit in Acts, a little bit in the Old Testament, um, and kind of journeying through this story motif of how do we find our story within God's story. I think that's kind of the catchphrase that Mitchell's been going on. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember if we've done this on the podcast or not. I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot. So did we talk through the reasoning behind this? I think we did a little bit last week, but go ahead here. and take us yeah, through yeah. it again. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, there was, this was kind of a consensus. I, I can't remember if this was really one person's idea or we were just having that worship meeting and like somehow we all came to this consensus of like, yeah, this could be really cool. We could, we mm-hmm. could do this. And yeah. I know you, you kept pushing Mitchell of like, are you, are you sure that you really right. want to commit to this? And he was like, no, I actually feel really good about this. And, you know, we keep saying that there's a little bit of a caveat that each chapter of our story is a little bit of a series in and of itself, yeah. which is true. And and so I, I think there's some freedom in that, that it doesn't feel like it's totally locked in. Like you said, on one single book where there's mm-hmm. no wiggle room whatsoever. Like, you know, one chapter is going to be on wisdom. So there's a lot you can do in wisdom. Yeah. And there's a lot of flexibility in there. But um, but it, it felt like it was stability, right? Like yeah. in, in such un... Or such trying times where there's so much that seems unstable and changing and shifting, and now here we are. We're we're going to commit to this, you know, for the rest of 2022, um, being in this one story and, mm-hmm. and unfolding this one story together as a community, um, and see how that fits in with the unfolding story of God. And um, yeah, you know, I just I'm I'm excited about it. I did think like, am I going to be asking the same questions over and over again? And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, like mm-hmm. I watch the same movie a lot of times and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'll realize, oh, I never noticed that when I've watched the movie before. And so like mm-hmm. sometimes asking mm-hmm. the same questions, even though I feel like I'm in the same story, ends up revealing something totally new to me, you know? I mean, that's that's one of the most beautiful things about ritual, right? Like that's mm-hmm. why we do rituals on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or a daily basis. Like I have to, <laughs> I mean, this is such a silly example, but so I have Greek yogurt almost every day. And usually what I do is I spoon out the amount of Greek yogurt that I want into the bowl and I kind of spread it around and I get it all situated. And then I dump like the granola or the fruit or whatever on top of that. And then I mix it together. The other day I did it backwards and it worked so much better. I put the granola in first and then the yogurt on top and it didn't get all goopy and like stuck to the bottom of the bowl. And I was like, how many hundreds of days have I been eating yogurt the same way? And then all of a sudden I do the same thing differently and it, I just like, it works so much better. So, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a it's glimpse amazing. into what this year can be for us is, yeah. you know, we, we do worship series all the time, um, yeah. but... 
how is doing the same thing and revisiting this like this notebook right that we mailed out 200 and yeah. some copies of last week um if we really try to keep up with that for a year um how what are we going to discover about ourselves by asking some of the same questions over yeah. and over yeah, if you didn't get a notebook, go to wrumc.org slash unfold, and you can get yeah. a notebook there. We'll be happy to mail you one, or you can swing by and grab one. But but yeah, I think that's a really good point, and your example of yogurt is a, is a really good one, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. We get so stuck in our ways of doing things the same way over and over, and then all of a sudden, one little one little shift makes us realize, oh, there's a whole different, mm-hmm. whole different way of either doing this, or seeing this, or understanding this. I taught uh, adult Sunday school yesterday, and it's all on Zoom too, and, and it was kind of a last-minute shift for me to come in and teach it, and... And so I thought, well, you know, we're talking a lot about characters and stuff like this and this story mentality. That's going to kind of be an under, underlying theme of the day. So we'll just, I'm going to ask them all like what their favorite character is from, you know, a book or a play or mm-hmm. um, a movie or whatever. And so it was really fun to hear people tell their stories of why that's their favorite character, who they resonate most with. And then it shifted to like, now how does like we take that and look at the, the scriptural characters as well mm-hmm. and start looking at them and... Um, and actually, in the Sunday sit down, uh, I interviewed Mitchell's friend Gabrielle, and she was she's a director producer for uh, Frontline PBS, mm. and she was talking. She actually referred to people as characters, and she's like, "I hope that doesn't come across as like offensive." You know, I was like, "No, like it's <laughs> a really great way to think of people yeah. um, as as characters in our unfolding story." You know, and mm-hmm. so when we start realizing that people in our lives are characters, then it allows us then to go back and look at the quote characters in scripture. Uh, you know, and, and see how they play a role in the unfolding story too. And, and, and it was really good for us. And I think healthy to go back and start looking at a bunch of these characters like Abraham and David and, mm. you know, like Paul and like the list went on and on of people who, um, had all these character flaws, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Cause that means two things, right? If you, if you say to somebody, man, that guy is a character, that means that they're odd, they're, you know, eccentric or, or strange. Totally. But also if you say like, no, we're all characters, <laughs> meaning we all have an oddness and a strangeness and a quirkiness to us, but also we're literal characters in stories that kind of interlock with each other. Yeah. And I, I, I told this story in Sunday school too. So for all of you who are there, sorry, you're going to hear it twice, but um, it's interesting too. Cause did you watch Game of Thrones, Rebecca? No. Are you kidding I don't me? feel like you're a Game of Thrones person, but no, I just, I, I thought all. I would just inquire. So spoiler alert, if you haven't finished a Game of Thrones, this is going to ruin it. So turn it off now or skip forward, you know, 30 seconds. Um, Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons, the breaker of chains, right? The one who frees all these people in the end ends up like doing a horrendous act and burning all these people with a dragon. And it like, I when it happened, I wrote like this blog of how it was character assassination, right? Like mm-hmm. they had like seven months or seven series or seven um, seasons, seasons of like yeah. building this character as <clears throat> the breaker of chains, right? This person who was uh, like freeing oppressed people. And that's like how she rose to power by like, mm-hmm. like from the bottom up kind of thing. And then here she comes into the, like the, the capital city and just like torches all these people. And I was like, it just didn't fit the character, you mm-hmm. know, like the, it was, it was legitimate character assassination. And I just yeah. thought like, so often though, like we do the same thing, right? Like you may have one person who has had like this lifelong of like doing good things and then one act that screwed, they screwed up and like, mm. that's how we end up defining that person. And like mm. we assassinate their character by their hmm. one mistake or define them by that one, you know, like one scenario or whatever. I mean, that, that kind of reminds me of something we talked about right after Easter when we were talking about doubting Thomas and yeah. what, what a short straw he drew, right? To be defined forever into like literal millennia by his one flaw when like he had years with Jesus and like 
probably thousands of interactions with him. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Well, mm-hmm. and talking about character, right? I know you and I each wrote a blog post in the last yeah. week. Um, I don't. Are they live yet on the resource page? So mine is up. Yours is going to go up. Uh, I think either tomorrow or Wednesday. Okay. So we're we're doing a lot of marketing pieces behind the scenes too, which yeah, yeah. You all might start seeing some some more unique emails as opposed to just like our weekly kind of like newsletter email. Um, and there'll be kind of more targeted, specific emails about different pieces of this unfold series. And so there's going to be an email that'll go out later this week specifically about Rebecca's blog. Nice. So yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, we have this. Like I already said, we have this notebook um, that you can, if you haven't already received, you can receive. Um, But in addition to that, so throughout the notebook, once per chapter, quote unquote, um, there's a little QR code. And if you scan that, you are taken to this page of resources that's going to be ever evolving. Um, And so throughout the year, they're going to be more and more resources kind of just built up there for ways that you can interact with this Unfold series. Um, but specifically, like you wrote a blog to kind of introduce us to this repetitive question that might seem a little odd to people. Right. Um, it's just not a language so we use. Yeah. It's not a language we use. Right. So I just, I wanted if you can give like just a very brief kind of 30 second summary of what your blog post is about. So, yeah. So Wesley, when the Methodist movement started in the Anglican church, it was a revival movement. And so it's, it's kind of where... I'm not going to say small groups didn't exist before, and he didn't call them small groups. He called them class meetings. But they met in about 12 people, usually. And in these these class meetings, they would always, the, the driving question was, how is it with your soul? And and what I kind of unpack in the blog is that asking, hey, how you doing, has become such a, <laughs> like a, a rote gesture of like not actually yeah. caring how somebody's doing, but more of a sure. polite, like, hi, how's it going? You know, like, in his... Like, hi is the equivalent now to, hi, how are you? You know, mm-hmm. like there's no difference. Mm-hmm. And and so I tell a ridiculous story about what I did in college of trying to like <laughs> get people to break their their monotonous, Stride. hi, how are yeah. you? Yeah. Um, but like Wesley's intention was really to like look at more in depth in your soul what's really happening there. Mm-hmm. And what it was an invitation to do was analyze not only like your um, fleeting emotions, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it, it's that's part of it. But then, like to to look at the fruit that your soul is bearing, because mm-hmm. he would say like if you if you aren't doing good in the world, then like your soul like he, he kind of like referred to the soul as a tree, and so like you have to check the roots and see how the roots are doing, but you only mm-hmm. also need to check the fruit and what's coming out of the fruit, and if the the fruit isn't healthy, then like you need to go back and check the roots again because something's not right there. So mm-hmm. it's just a it's yeah. a deeper question and a deeper analysis than just a hey how are you <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, and again it may sound kind of awkward and it it's probably hard because. You know, we talk about this a lot probably, but in the world we live in, we don't, it's not encouraged to take time to do nothing. I was listening to a podcast yesterday <laughs> about a woman who wrote a book about doing nothing and it actually mm-hmm. came out before the the pandemic, but it's been even more relevant now of like mm-hmm. some of us were forced to do nothing, but our nothingness became like doom scrolling or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we talked about with Sabbath, right? Sabbath is more than just binge watching Netflix, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like getting into your, your blog a little bit too, but like it's, it's really this idea of, um, of freedom from having to produce something or freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a, a more intentional space of, of nothingness, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, to, to really analyze and to get, to become familiar with yourself at the, the core of who you are, or the essence of yourself. And that's, you know, that's hard work. It's hard work to it do. It is hard work. And you know, it's, I think it's the process is important. Again, like we were saying, you know, 
the, the whole point of ritual is that you don't have to solve everything in one time. Right. So asking how is it with your soul one day is good, um, but even better than that is asking it every Sunday for 52 weeks, right? Because right. you start to see patterns emerge that you didn't even know were there. Um, like I, I follow a, a yoga instructor on YouTube, Yoga with Adrian. She's wonderful. She's out of Austin. Um, but she says something in one of her... Uh, practices that I go back and watch quite frequently and practice is something might come up for you on the mat like you might be in a pose that you've done a hundred times and you just like start crying all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and you don't know why and like Mm -hmm. something in your in your physical muscles or joints are releasing in a way that you didn't even know you were holding Mm -hmm. right you didn't even know you were holding that tension um and so I think the same is true if we ask these questions even when it, you know, even if we don't quite understand it or if we think, oh, maybe this feels awkward or like, I don't know how to share this. I would encourage everybody just to kind of even just jot down, like, this is just for you. You don't have to share with anybody, but just jot down totally. a few, you know, adjectives or nouns or like, I feel tired or uh, unsatisfied or joyful or quiet or like, you know, and just kind of see where this journey takes you throughout the year. It's interesting you say that. Have you read the book, The Body Keeps the Score? No, I've heard of it though. Yeah, Jesse's reading it right now, and she keep my wife. She keeps telling me about different things, and she's like, it's, "It's all about trauma." So she's like, "It's not an uplifting book. Like, don't. Yeah. If you're looking for something good to read, that's gonna be like uplifting or like numbing. You know, like just n- mm. not numbing. That's a bad word, but like an escape from whatever. You know, don't don't read this one. But it just made me think <laughs> of like, you know, even getting back in these certain positions and poses, and again, ritual. Like, mm-hmm. it it brings back and stirs. I might have mentioned this before. Um, I, like I walk around my neighborhood with my dogs a lot and listen to books as I walk. Mm-hmm. And th- there are certain places where I will hit this, this certain spot in the neighborhood and it'll take me back to this one fiction book that I read two years ago, one of the first fiction books I've mm-hmm. read in years. Um, and and I'll like go back to that spot in the story. And mm-hmm. like it's just so interesting how your body, location, like all these different things hold mm-hmm. pieces of the past and like are brought back forward to you and – and that, that's kind of the, the power of story too, right? Is that like, mm-hmm. they never really leave you. They never like, you become kind of one with the story and like, whether it is in your body or in a location or yeah, anyway, that's kind of all over the place. So I want to like, I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely deep into this kind of story motif, but I want to go more specifically to yesterday um, mm-hmm. and talk about what you had said, you know, with Wesley saying your life is a tree, right? You return to the yeah. roots, you look at the fruit, um, which is very fitting for the, the story that Mitchell right. preached from yesterday, which is Zacchaeus um, climbing the sycamore tree and like trying to see Jesus, which I just think is, it, it's a very unusual story, right? Um because for, for a lot of different reasons, but I think I loved, I'm just going to read what I wrote down. And I don't know that this is word for word, what Mitchell said, but, uh, I was, I was typing on my phone as fast as I could while he was (laughs) saying it, because it was very good. This year is a move from the comfortable life of an outcast, which in itself, there's a lot to unpack there to the life of clinging to a branch in order to see Jesus as he passes. The comfortable life of an outcast, right? So, and he talks about this very absurd reality that there is stability for Zacchaeus. He, I mean, he's got a cush job, right? He makes a ton of money, um, but he makes it unethically, arguably. Um, And 
likely his only friends were other people in that same field, right? So he he had this stability, this good income, probably a fancier house than most, but it came at the expense of community, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody trusted him. Nobody wanted to welcome him in. And so he leaves this outcast stability, which I just, I think that's such an interesting paradox, right. into the disorganized and absurd acceptance and healing of a community where he says, I'm going to pay back everybody that I cheated four times as much, which is, I mean, Jesus doesn't even say, hey, I want to come to your house if you make amends with people. He just says, hey, I want to come to your house. And Zacchaeus actually beats him to the punch. He's like, okay, cool. You're going to come to my house. I'm going to like repair these relationships fourfold for what I've done, Um, which is just such a cool story to me. It's and I, story. it's very fascinating. Um, but especially when you said tree, the point was, um, when he said like the life of clinging to a branch in order to see Jesus, my first thought was how can I extend this metaphor? How can I kind of dig down into this metaphor? What kind of branch is it? Like, is it a, you know, I'm looking outside my window right now and there's a giant oak tree in our backyard, right? If yes. I were clinging to one of those branches, I'd be good. Like, it can definitely support my body weight. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's weathered 50 years of storms. But what if I'm clinging to a branch that's, like, wobbling and shaking and, like, even a a squirrel that jumps on it is going to break it, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the crepe myrtle out my window right now, and I'm like, I don't know how good I feel about those branches. It's not a real (laughs) mature tree yet. Like, Yeah, crepe myrtles are very – that's a good example. They are very Mm -hmm. breakable, fragile. Lovely, beautiful, but not what I really want to cling to in the midst of – a storm if you will yeah yeah so yeah i mean no, i just I, like what what branch are you clinging to that's when he said that it was one of those metaphors that i thought i have to sit i had to sit with this like i don't know i don't even know how to start again an analysis here right identifying what what the tree is like what my mm-hmm. branches are right now and mm-hmm. what the difference is between a fig tree or a crepe myrtle or an oak tree. you know like i mm-hmm. i need to really sit with this for a little while and I'm glad that we started talking about it this morning because I hadn't sat with it because I got distracted with other things yesterday. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one. This is a mm-hmm. good metaphor that I'm going to sit with um, to really try to figure out what's going on here. Yeah. So Mitchell, Mitchell bringing in the good metaphor. Yeah. I love a good metaphor. And I have to say too, when he said, you know, we know this story from VBS, right? I, I have a feeling, this is maybe wrong, but I have a feeling that if, if anybody got a song stuck in their head, from yesterday it was the Zacchaeus was a wee little man which I absolutely despise that song (laughs) it's so annoying (laughs) there is though a much better song about Zacchaeus in my personal opinion um and so my mom was a music minister and Mm -hmm. so I grew up under her tutelage you know for the first uh for the first 18 years of my life while I was at home and so I remember singing not the Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but I remember singing a song about Zacchaeus to the um, the Jack in the Box song, like that one. Pop goes the weasel. That's what it's called. I was like um, Jack in the Box, like the candy or the like snack. No, okay. Uh, and not the fast food restaurant either. There we go. Okay, yeah. Um, but the Pop goes the weasel. That's the name of it. But it had words um, about the Zacchaeus story, and 
I like them much better. So I texted my mom this morning. I was like, hey, um, hello, good morning, hi. I'm texting you very early. Did also, you write this song or did you find it somewhere? Because she wrote a lot of the songs that I grew up with. Um, and she said, no, I found it in this old collection called something like, you know, new Bible stories to old familiar tunes. Huh. Um, and so I'll try to find the full lyrics to it because I don't remember all of them. But the, the refrain goes something like this. Uh, Zach went up and Zach came down the day that he met Jesus. Then his life was turned around, up, down, Zacchaeus. So it's this activity song, right? And the kids can pop up and then crouch back down. But it's nice. talking about Zach climbed up the tree as one person. He climbed down the tree as a different person, right? Mm. And he wanted to kind of make these amends and get to know Jesus and invite him into his house. Um, so I'll try to find those lyrics to that song. But it's really has a lot more rich theology, in my humble opinion, than Zacchaeus was a wee, wee little, little man. man. Yeah. And not that we need to do a deep theological dive on this story right now, because it's probably not the time or place, but... Um, that's what Bible studies for on Wednesday morning. Join us Wednesday huh. mornings at eight o'clock. Here we go. Um, Slip because that right the, like the term shortened stature mm-hmm. could mean literally he was short. It also could mean like stature can mean essentially like character, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was short in who he was as a character, or, like his mm-hmm. character as a person. So, so yeah, for the story to just say Zacchaeus was a little, wee little man, like <laughs> you're missing a lot. You could be missing a whole lot of the story there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. I heard an interesting uh, uh, interpretation of this. I wonder if you've ever heard this before. That the pronouns, because in in the original languages, they don't use as many proper names as we do. It just said he, 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 he a lot. And yeah. so the pronouns are very unclear. And one, one uh, speaker I heard one time said, like, you know, we actually don't know if the text was talking about Zacchaeus being short or Jesus being short. Interesting. Because it said, like, Zacchaeus climbed the tree so he could see Jesus because he was short. And doesn't, it's not clear whether, like, he couldn't see Jesus because Jesus was short or because Zacchaeus was short. Random sidebar. I just thought that was very interesting. Fascinating. Well, this Mm -hmm. this is how one little tweak of a story can change Mm -hmm. the entire story, right? Because I actually found out in my research of that text, too, that the verb that's used whenever it says, I I will pay back is actually in the present. So I pay back four times. Yeah. So the question then becomes, had he actually been doing that already? Mm. And Jesus did choose to go sit with him and go to his house because he mm. was this chief priest who like everybody had all these assumptions about as being like a really crooked person. And yet like he was kind of bucking the system as it was. Um, I don't know. Mitch, Mitchell was like, I don't like that reading. I like the reading where he has this like big transformative experiences, which like Gabrielle talked about in the... The, oh, in the Sunday sit down, like, um, we we love a... Hold on. Dog. Okay. Work from home <laughs> life. We, uh, we love a character with a transformation story. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's part of what makes a good story so good is if your your character has some sort of big transformation experience. So mm-hmm. that's why we love the Zacchaeus story so much is because here we have this assumption about him, and then, like, there's a huge transformation because of the experience of Jesus. So, like, if that changes somehow, then, like, oh, it takes away, like, that, the mm-hmm. mythology of the story for us a little bit. Or maybe it just shifts sure. it. Maybe it doesn't take it away. But anyway. Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, uh-huh. we could continue into that, um, down down that path. Uh, talking about the scriptures of yesterday, the Nehemiah scripture, um, I, I, I give the Holy Spirit credit for this one because it was already a suggested lectionary text. But when I read it, 
I thought, oh, this is perfect for the beginning of this journey, this story, because, um, and actually I read it with the choir on Wednesday last week, um, cause we do a devotional time each week in choir and I, I read it to them and we talked about it a little bit. And one of our choir members said, you know, that's so cool. I never connected the dots that that is why we stand for the reading of scripture. Um, that it's like in Nehemiah that they, they just like instinctively stood for the reading of the Lord because it's important and you like, you show with your physical actions, what's important to you. Um, Love that. but yeah, I mean, I thought that was really cool. And the way that Maggie kind of brought that out was, uh, the, <laughs> it sort of gives us permission to, to do those different interpretations because I don't know if you noticed that you were, you were very busy dealing with some technical difficulties, but, um, the Nehemiah text says over and over that not just the book of the law was read, mm-hmm. but it was interpreted mm-hmm. so that everyone had understanding. And so I just wanted to draw attention to that to say like, it's, you know, if anybody gets frustrated or upset with us or with anybody who says like, oh, you know, the Bible is untouchable. No, there's actually precedent in the Bible itself for interpretation to make yeah. sure, as it says, like men and women and all who had the capability to understand, it was interpreted for them so that they could understand. And that's why they stood up and they wept and they like bowed their faces to the ground and they cried with joy, you know. So it's, yeah. you you have the right and you have the responsibility to interpret these scriptures and like get all, get all the different angles. Well, I'm trying to think, isn't it the rabbinical tradition of the 90 faces of scripture? Like mm-hmm. like a, a gemstone, if you, yep. you, know, you turn it and the light reflects differently through each side of it. Like the same yep. thing with scripture that no matter, like you keep turning it and you get a different interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a prism, right? Yeah. Is another, yeah. It's another metaphor is the prism um, that the light refracts differently. Yeah. I love and, that. and the light waves are there the whole time. It's just how right. they refract as to which color is shown. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, also, yeah. um, also yesterday we got to hear from uh, the choir as well yeah. as from some of our congregants. You know, we had um, the Hancocks who led the statement of faith, and then Maggie read the scripture, um, mm-hmm. and then we had the choir sing an anthem which we've sung several times before, both in person and we recorded it. So some people asked, you know, oh, hey, the choir's in the in the sanctuary. Actually, the choir was in the sanctuary in May of 2021 <laughs> when we had it, you know, we had a recording session with Dexter. He had all this fancy mics set up and he made us sound so great. And um, yeah, but yeah, like we, I think to me, returning to this online only space this year has not been any fun, but it has been easier because yeah. we now have like an index of, uh, art <laughs> that we we can pull from, right? The choir and the right. folk band and the handbells, we all have this, we've already done the hard work of like getting good recordings so we can pull something like yesterday and make this service even more rich without the the constant like stress and beating the clock that I feel like was the first year of the pandemic. I, I, still feel that stress a little bit but yes i hear you know like having this index is really beneficial yeah and i i just love so much that you know in the same way that we sing hymns repetitively or like you know multiple not not usually sometimes you will right like sometimes you'll take a a grounding hymn that'll carry us through a series or whatever but we can go back to something that like you said was recorded in may 
and it can still be a really important and impactful part of our worship mm-hmm. yesterday, mm-hmm. even though it was technically recorded in May. And that's where it, I think digital stretches us. Like the, being mm-hmm. in this digital only space stretches us to, um, to just challenge this idea of like what almost like what's real. Like here mm-hmm. we are, we're we're sharing this this time together and this space together, even though like we're not in the same space together and we're not even in the same time when this was saying originally mm-hmm. and yet it's still uniting us in this new space in this new time right like something mm-hmm. ancient something new right mm-hmm. like like it's this, this i don't know it just it kind of breaks down the barriers and walls of time space a little bit in the way that we we worship this way and there's a whole lot of conversations that take place in the realm of what counts and what constitutes as digital worship and does it have to be live together and is it you know, if it's all demand all the time, then does it really count as people worshiping together? And, mm. uh, you know, like I was really interested in those arguments for a while. And it's it's kind of like the argument of does God exist or not? Like that was something that I really loved to argue about back in college. But now I'm like, <laughs> mm, kind of done arguing about that. You know, like if, sure. if, you, if you made a decision on that, great. Like I'm happy to still have conversations about it. But like that's not as important of an argument as me is like, what does it mean for you now? Like and what mm-hmm. what, what does it mean for us now to be able to pull from an index of things that have been pre-recorded and insert them into this worship service that very mm-hmm. much is what we're doing in the ver- in the moment, you know, and have them still play a really significant role in how we experience God in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And Jim Keat said, like Jim Keat says, like the opposite, like we often like we get real confused, right? Like mm-hmm. like digital is the opposite of physical, not the opposite of real. Mm-hmm. I think that's his quote that he says. Totally, so. yeah, and like I mean, you talked about this a little bit in your children's time yesterday too which you pre-recorded. Um, I <laughs> but I I have to go back and listen to it. But didn't you say at some point, and I might want to challenge you on this, like when you said something about fiction is fake? Right. Like I, I would challenge that and say like fiction is not factual, but there it can go. be real and true, yeah. um, which is really hard, especially for kids. It's hard for adults to figure that out. But um, yeah. But yeah, it's the same notion that something can be real and true and real life is this real life i think i feel like i've been asking that is this real life yeah um but yeah so like i mean there's there's a whole conversation about that phil especially i'm i'm reminded as i came up through school like i'm i'm very lucky and privileged to have had the amount of education that i've had and um i've learned so much in the academy so to speak Mm -hmm. um but something that i would run into in said academy is uh, what i would call a little bit of um pride is not quite the right word, but maybe a a little bit of lack of connection with what real people do. Um, I had somebody tell me once, you know, if you're doing your job as a music minister and like expanding people's musical horizons and doing different, you know, enough different genres and stuff like that, you really shouldn't sing the same hymn more than twice in a calendar year. Um, and a anybody, calendar year. yeah. And anybody who's listening, that was not one of my main professors. So don't go and get mad at Dr. Hahn or Dr. Anderson. They did not say <laughs> that. Um, but I, I remember this very vividly because I, I tried to live into that for the first couple of years of my ministry wow. outside of school. Like, oh, you know, if I, if I do the same song, I'm, you know, I'm repetitive or people are going to get bored or they're not going to like, they're going to think I'm not doing my job. And I've realized it's actually the opposite. Um, wow. and there are a lot of different reasons and factors for that, I think. Number one is I really believe that we need to 
create help people create heart songs and you Mm. don't create heart songs by just singing them twice a year (laughs) you have to get to know them right like if you hear a song on the radio the whole concept of the top 40 right is they're played ad nauseum on the radio and like you get tired of them because they played so much but that's how you memorize them that's how you get something like stuck in your head or a favorite song or something and the same goes for us that we first of all most people don't come to church every single week, week in and week out, right? right. I mean, the pew worshipers, sorry, my cat just jumped up behind me. We have um, a guest. <laughs> the, uh, the, the data, right, from the pew surveys say, like, people consider themselves regular church attenders if they attend once a month. Right. And so let's say that we sing Amazing Grace twice a year, but they only come once a month, I mean, the possibility of them hearing that song is very low. Very small. <laughs> Whereas if we sing something like, you know, Draw the Circle Wide, for example, um, every week for a six-week series, we get to know that and we, we hear it in different ways and it becomes a hard song. That way, when we leave it alone for several months and come back to it, it's going to mean that much more. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I don't know. I That was a little bit of a tangent, but I just say all that to say like... No, I love it. It... <laughs> There's, there's a lot to be said for repetition. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the one of the themes of today, too, is this ritual that you do every day. Um, a song that you sing multiple times or an anthem that you've heard the choir do before, but you hear it again. Maybe you hear something different this time. Or maybe right. it's like it's extra comforting because you know it and you know how beautiful it is and how much you enjoy it. Um, yeah, again, yeah. Like maybe your body holds something and takes you back to an experience you had mm-hmm. last time you sang it or heard it. or Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm excited. Again, this is a, a big commitment that we're diving into. Um, I know I've said it multiple times too, but like, I hope that you'll, you, you, the listener, right? Like we'll, we'll dive in full, full force with us and you'll keep your journal and you'll use that journal to keep drawing you back and bringing you into this space and allowing you to do some deeper reflection, both for yourself, but also for us as a community and how that yeah. is going to affect you personally, but then us as a community and um, I just think this is a really exciting time for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's how we ended yesterday, right? With the, the hymn, I love to tell the story. So yeah. whatever stories are meaningful for you, you the listener and you, Phil, um, sure, both. you know, we'll tell them over and over. Tell them, yeah. listen to them, experience them, um, sing about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how we're going to find our place in God's story. Totally. I will make one last note before we end here. Um, if you tried to worship with us on Facebook yesterday, uh, we had some issues on Facebook. Um, we saw that there were a variety of churches that had issues on Facebook yesterday. But luckily, the week before, two weeks before, we had just started pushing toward our website. Yeah. And so you can uh, you can worship on our website every every week now, which is wrumc.org slash live or live, whichever one you want to go with live, 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 live. <laughs> just one, wrumc.org slash live, L-I-V-E. Um, and you can, there's a chat feature there too. So, you know, that's the, the big downfall of so many people that worship on Facebook are our big chatters, which we mm-hmm, love. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube is not so much chatting because people are usually watching on TVs. Um, but if you watch, worship on our website, there is a chat feature there. We also um, found out yesterday we can do polling on this. Oh, uh, that's so interesting. We uh, will start using some of these polling features and different aspects that we have through our website to be able to, to stream and, and engage our, our worshiping community there. So, um 
you know, the we're doing the why behind the worship, right? Slowly, we're trying to actually migrate people to our website to worship. And so this just like accelerated it, <laughs> just like the pandemic, yeah. just accelerated everybody to, to get over to the website. And hopefully they had a good experience there. I know there was some glitching on the website too. I don't know if it's because we, it wasn't used to having that many people and it was, mm, I don't know, maybe. but we had a couple of people glitch on it. So um, we're still refining, you know, this is a constant yeah. uh, refining process, but hopefully... Uh, you'll have grace with us and patience and we'll continue to make it a better experience. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. Keep people connected and have a really great worship experience. Absolutely. Yep. Well, on that note, we hope that you join us next week for worship. Um, Just as a reminder, the leadership team and Mitchell are announcing every two weeks, whether we will be in person um, as well as online. So hybrid or online only. So we are for sure online only this coming Sunday, the 30th. And then um, check your email or keep tabs on our social media on the 31st because they'll make the call that day for the following two weeks. So just stay in touch with us. Let us know if you have questions. Um, and especially if you have questions about the why behind the worship, please feel yeah. free to email us, WR, uh, or worship at wrumc.org. Yep. Um, we'd love to answer those here on this podcast. On the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rebecca, great conversation. Thanks so much for for uh, hosting this. I love it. Absolutely. I'm going to go think about what kind of branch I'm sitting on. I know, right? I sit here and stare at my crepe myrtle <laughs> and just be glad that I'm not clinging to it. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, y'all. Blessings. Take care. The Day After Sunday is a production of White Rock Media Network. Join us next week for another look at the why behind the worship. 